The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is The Conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Welcome to Culture Factor 2.0. And today I have Stephen Kuhn. He is a decorated United States Army combat veteran, speaker, author, and business turnaround consultant. He helps leaders dramatically improve their quality of life through the consistent, conscious application of honesty, integrity, and transparency. He also calls that HIT. And his HIT philosophy unleashes your inner authenticity, increases revenue, and supercharges your mindset to wield influence. We all want to wield influence in our own way, right? So many leaders only feel powerful in their area of responsibility, especially if they have like a title or a position. So what Stephen does is he focuses on amplifying your humble alpha to dominate all areas of life. Stephen and his co-author, Lane Billone, a Special Forces Green Beret veteran, released their critically acclaimed book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, in September. And it is now a college-accredited certificate program and set to be released in February in colleges and universities over the coming year. So one other thing is that Stephen says he is never surprised and astonished at the things he can accomplish in life, not because they are hard to do, because but because they are actually almost effortless now. So he will talk to us about this, give us a little hint. This is part of his book. And with that, I would like to welcome Stephen Kuhn to Culture Factor 2.0. Hey, Holly, thank you so much. What a great, uh, I, I see I need to update that bio. It's March already. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, it, and that's it's set to be released in February. No, is there anything else that you would like to update besides the release of, of that um, that maybe I did not cover? I'd love people to know about you. Well, there's one update there's, uh, that's quite important and quite um, stunning, actually, is that the, the course, the college certificate program, has now been ex- um, actually absorbed into Forbes Business School MBA program as a full part of their curriculum um, for the MBA. Um, so that means there's a full um, syllabus and there's professors learning how to teach our book to students, which is incredible. That's amazing. And again, this all happened organically. So we didn't push this. That is really amazing. How'd that come to be? Someone read the book, said, hey, you got to meet uh, my partner. She writes college courses. I think your book would make a great college course. She, she read the book and said, wow, this is great. And within about three week period, the course was done and it was accredited um, college accreditation. 
And then, uh, yeah, I guess people saw it and it started going from there. There's other, there's other colleges as well that are, that are universities that are signing up as well uh, for us to become part of the curriculum, which is amazing. And it's, it's just something that's so, so gratifying because we actually did it. Uh, the book came from our experiences. There's no theory at all. It's literally proven concepts and methods that we've used our whole life in order to get to where we are. And I'm not saying we're in an amazing place. It's just that we are in a place where we enjoy QOL, what we call QOL, quality of life, right? And quality of life is what everyone on this planet seeks. You know, we, that's one thing we all agree upon. We all want quality of life. And this book is a path to that for your own personal quality of life. It means something different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, then let's dig in a little bit. So um, let's actually, let's go right into talking about Honesty, integrity, and transparency. I'm going off script. I know that we had questions, but I really think that this is probably more relevant right now than company culture. Well, HIT actually came from the corporate world when I was working as a, um, a contractor. So I was a contractor, director, contractor manager, contractor general manager. And um, I was uh, the company it started in, it had 87 locations in nine countries, and I was running all those locations for operations and development. And so I would be the one to structure everything. So all the teams and training and all that kind of stuff. And I always saw a lack of um, communication. And the lack of communication wasn't because they were bad communicators. It was because they weren't being honest. They, they didn't want to say the wrong thing to the, to the right person. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it came out to me like, okay, the only way that we can move forward as a team to develop a culture is that if we all act in the same way. And that's, that has to be based on a core set of principles. And that core set of principles ended up being hit, honesty, integrity, and transparency. And it's, it's, it starts like this. is honesty. It's about being honest with yourself, why you do what you do and say what you say. And that's because if you're honest with yourself, then you're going to automatically be honest with other people. It's sort of like, you know, it's like almost like a personal trigger. And then once you're honest with yourself and you, you're asking yourself consciously, why am I saying what I'm saying and doing what I'm doing or writing what I'm writing? Then the transparency part is, is using an honesty to step into the world and it's your ongoing reputation. So people know that your word is your bond, right? And the byproduct of, of honesty and transparency is, of course, integrity. And integrity is amazing because it makes you um, uh, authentic, makes you uh, special. And that, that authenticity allows you to dictate your market value, which is why um, that quality of life is so important to us because we're not bound to a job. We're not bound to a position. We're not bound to a title or a, you know, like a job because our power comes from within. Our power comes from within. Our power comes from who we are and not from a title or a position. You know, a lot of people, you've heard them say, well, you know who I am. And they'll say, I'm the CEO of whatever. And it's actually, no, that's what you do. That's not who you are. And so that's a differentiation we make. So HIT is really the basis, the foundation, the roots of everything that we do as a person in, in a business or with our teams. And I can't, I can't even stress how important it is. I've been teaching that for 15 years to all my teams. And it's just something that really hits home and it changes people overnight. Because when you start asking yourself, looking at, looking at why you're thinking, how you're thinking, how you're saying what you're saying, it'll often give you a, a mirror of what's actually um, happening and why you're saying what you're saying. A lot of times we say things to prove a point that's, that's moot. <clears throat> we, prove, we we want to prove a point that puts us in a specific position, right? So we say things to navigate the room, to navigate the company, and that's that's all air. That's all just hot air. It has nothing to do with the basis, the formula of true success and a true a, a true 
um, let's say, evolving culture that leads to productivity, it leads to a, a reaching the vision and the mission. So you said that you found this along the way with with your work. Did was this established early on though in your military career? Like, did you did you kind of stumble upon some of some of this? Because I've got to believe that in in the battlefield, like it, you are your authentic self. <laughs> Integrity is yeah. everything. Well, you know, you it, you know, there's there's bits and pieces of it there, but it was never formulated this way. It was never, I guess, articulated or formulated this way. You know, in the military, you follow orders or you're dead. Basically, that's it. If someone says duck, you don't ask why because then you're you're gone. You know, so you know it's you're sort it's it's sort of involuntary. <laughs> you know, you're honest uh, most of the time, I guess. Um, in, integrity, you know, integrity is such an overused word. It really is. Integrity for me means doing what you say you're going to do, not doing what you say you're not going to do. And then if you screw up, which we all do, then you own it and make it better. That's integrity. It's not, I have integrity because I have this job or I have integrity because I'm the boss. That's not it at all. We all know people who don't have any integrity that are, that are in positions of power. So it's all about yourself. Everything's on the inside, whether it's your power, whether it's your identity, whether it's your purpose, whether it's your integrity, whether it's your honesty, it's all on the inside. Nothing on the outside is going to change who you are on the inside unless you let it. And so it's a, it's a big focus on the inside. And in the military, it's basically all on the outside. You're following orders. You're doing what you're told. You're attacking. You're deploying. You're moving. We used to say shoot, move, and communicate, right? That's all on the outside. You're, 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 it's a task. It's an application, right? It's not you acting as you. You're, you're literally in a role. No, that's why they have boot camp, right? Boot camp, they rip you down as a person and build you back up as a machine. So uh, the military gave me structure, gave me discipline. And, you know, again, discipline is only a short-term, you know, positive. You know, you'll, you'll never create, you know, a lasting um, sort of resonance in your life only with discipline. Discipline has to turn into um, habits. <clears throat> and then habits have to turn into routines that turn into who you are. And so it's, it's a whole process. And all of this came about by dissecting our lives. So, you know, all these years I've been winning uh, the things that I've been winning and I've been losing the things that I've been losing. I was homeless and I lost everything twice in my life. Uh, you know, tried to commit suicide, ended up in a monastery in the mountains of Austria, you know, and all these different things. And I had to figure out why, because people were asking me, like, how did you do all these things? And how did you survive? And how did you make it to work for, for instance, I worked for Mick Jagger. I worked for Olivia Newton-John and Andrea Bocelli. And I can never explain how I did it. Right? I couldn't say, well, I'm a great person and this is how I did it. I just didn't know. So we decided to write a book. And it took a year to dissect our lives. And what we did was we looked for patterns. You know, Success leaves clues, they always say. That's the new buzzword. And so I looked for patterns. Like when I crashed, what happened before and what happened after? And when I won, what happened before and what happened after? And there were five things that kept showing up. Right. And the one was hit. That was the main one that kept showing up is when I wasn't following hit, I was crashing. When I was following hit, I was winning. Right. And an another one is I didn't know what it was called until we wrote the book and we named it creating space. And if you take anything from this podcast, if you read the book and you take anything from the book, this is the most powerful thing that you're going to learn. And it's called creating space. Creating space is showing up wholly and fully for the person in front of you with no preconceived notions or any expectations at all unless they're verbalized. So either you have an expectation, verbalize it, or you don't have an expectation, right? And you're showing up with only one intention and you don't focus on the outcome. Why? Because you don't control the outcome. 
we only control the intention. So our intention is to add value, usually by solving problems. So when you walk in there with no preconceived notions or cookie cutter solutions, you're focusing on the intention and not the outcome, magic happens. And when we talk about magic, we're talking about that mastermind. Because when you and I show up together and I allow you to, to, to step into your greatness by not pushing you or pulling you or trying to sell you something or trying to you know, steer you in a certain way, you're going to be free to be who you are. And we're going to come together and create that third entity called the mastermind. And then we come up with solutions and ideas and things that happen that we never would have thought of on our own. And it happens every day with me. It literally does. Um, and when you consciously do this before you go to every single meeting, drop everything out of your head, right? Everything. And say, I have one thing that I'm, I'm focused on. And that is creating, adding value by solving problems, creating value. And it's so, it's, it's so impactful and so powerful you know, you can let vulnerability fly. You know, I, I wrote an article for entrepreneur.com. It was read like, I don't know how many times. It's crazy. And it was like how I made vulnerability my superpower in the boardroom, you know. And it's because I don't have any expectations of what I want out of a meeting. I know that what will happen will come through my intention. So it's all about the intention and not the outcome. You know, so beautifully said, um, you know, one thing that I'd like to pick out of there actually a couple of things. So outcome uh, is very interesting. I think we walk into many rooms, um, personal, you know, uh, when you sit down at the dinner table with your, your family, for example, when you go to a meeting, when you're uh, trying to sell whatever it is you're selling, we always walk in with the outcome, with the story, with what we'd like it to look like when it's done. And we actually don't make room for creativity. We don't usually make room, right? And Right, exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how, what do we deploy? What, what can we have in our toolbox to make room for that, to step away from what the ending looks like how do how do we do that it's 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 all about expectations isn't it and, and and that's what it is in the end if you boil it down you walk into a room with an expectation you're trying to control the outcome simple as that it's like a salesperson going out okay i walk into a car car lot the guy's like okay this this person wants to buy a car so they start trying to sell me a car well maybe i don't want to maybe i don't want to buy a car maybe i'm just looking around you know what I mean? So, so what, what other problems do I have? What other issues do I have? What could come out of this? I, I could be his next best friend. I could be, you know, the next, I could be anything. And that's the magic of it. That every interaction is a possible new door to a whole new reality. And when you go, when you walk around the world like that, that every meeting you go into, every place you go is all, is a possibility of a whole new reality. It just, it gets really exciting. Now let's talk about family, right? Family's the same way. Again, if you have an expectation, fertilize it. Hey guys, I want to sit down to dinner tonight. No phones. Let's talk. I want to have a great conversation. But if you sit down and you don't verbalize that, you're going to be disappointed. Pro- I, I promise you. <laughs> right? So unless you verbalize an, an expectation, don't have it. And that will free up a third of your day because you're not worrying about what people think, what they're going to do, if they're going to call you back, if they're going to do this or that or the other. Verbalize every expectation or just don't have it. That will free up so much time. That will make you feel so much lighter in life. You'll be skipping around you know, in that quality of life. let's go back into um the office for a second um you know 
granted everybody is remote from home right now, um, but as we get vaccinated, there might be companies that open up hybrid and there may be situations where people have to go back in. You know, I always think of like manufacturing, it's not really an option for certain fields. So um, when you talked about the military, you said in, in order to survive, it was shoot, move, communicate. So if we put that in the reverse, for leaders and not just from the C-suite, but emerging leadership, okay? People who see themselves as um, part of the change that's coming, right? That Because uh, I think COVID actually has opened up some opportunities too. So let's put it in the reverse. So an emerging leader, if they were to put new tools in their box, what if they did this in the reverse? I'm not going to use the word shoot. I'm going to say communicate, move, and act. What comes to mind to you? Like, how would you take what you learned from the military, flip it, and share that? Oh, okay. Well, communicate means clarity, right? It means clarity of mission, clarity of, of, of for everyone in, who's involved, of what their job is, what their description is, where their perimeters are, right? Um, move. Is also about clarity. Where do you have to go? What are your What are your borders? Where can you go left? Where can because we had 15, like fifteen degree um, angles of of um, engagement, so I couldn't go too far right. And I couldn't go too far left, right? So and otherwise, I'd be crossing into my battle buddy's line of fire. So you know, it's it's about staying in your in your line of fire, staying in your lane. I guess you could say. What was it? Shoot, move, communicate. So communicate, move, and what did you say? Shoot. No. So communicate first. Yeah. Move second, yeah. act third. Act. Well, I think act is the whole time you're act. You're 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 doing a proactive. I think is the word uh, that would be used there. You know, you're you're always thinking um, one step ahead of where you are in the military. You're always anticipating where the enemy might come from, what's going to happen next. You're looking ahead at the next barrier you can get behind, or you're looking at the next bunker you can dive into. So you're always looking ahead, planning and act, proactively seeking that next solution for the short-term problem that you have. At the same time, you're looking at the long-term and saying, okay, we have to win this battle, right? So you're looking ahead too. So this is what people talk about hustling and grinding, putting your nose to the grindstone, right? Uh, if you do that uh, in life, you're not going to see all the opportunities and possibilities and doors and people that are standing right next to you. That could be the next greatest thing in your life. And the same thing goes in battle. If you're if your head's down because you're doing that one task, well, you can't see your flank, can you? You're not. You're not. You, you know. You you can count on your battle buddies to take care of that, but you got to watch your battle buddy because you're responsible for that, right? So it's it's that complete cohesiveness that we have in a military unit that 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 should move and communicate means for everyone with each other all the time. It's, it's almost like a chain. If one person in that chain breaks, then there's no connection anymore across the lines all the way. So it's the same thing with a, with a company culture, right? I mean, we, we have to be moving in the same direction. We have to have the same vision, the same mission. That's, that's why we have op orders, operational, operational orders. We sit down. This is, a, this, is, this is the objective. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to get there. This is what you're going to do. This is what this platoon is going to do. This is what this company is going to do. You have everyone understand? Yes, we understand. So what they're doing is they're verbalizing their expectations, right? So in companies, they typically only say, this is where we got to go. All right, go do it. Or they'll say a little bit of here, a little bit of there, but no one gets down into the details. In the military, we talk about every single step move, and we have phase lines that we use. So once you hit this phase line, you got to do this. Once you hit that phase line, you got to do that. Communicate with them. Make sure they're flanked. 
stop for a second, check your left, check your right, make sure you're aligned. So there's there's always a step forward, and people do not do this in business. I can, I can tell you this. I read an article in in um, it was like ten years ago in the UK, The Economist, and there was a military general that was consulting companies, uh, corporate companies in the in the in the UK, and he said something that struck me. I mean, it struck me hard. You know, when you join, there's uh, for instance, Rick Tamburino is in here right now. He's a Marine, right? I don't say he's a Marine veteran or he was a Marine. He's a Marine. Like once a Marine, always a Marine, right? So that esprit de corps. Once you you could be in the in the Marines for a year, but if you're lifelong, you're a Marine. If corporate world could adopt that kind of esprit de corps, could you imagine what kind of powerful companies could be out there? Like no one's ever said, "Oh, I'm an Appler." Like I worked at Apple ten years ago. I'm an Appler. They don't when they leave, they leave and they do something else. That's because the military works with your identity and not just a task. So if Corporate worlds would work with our identities and align our identities and our in our in our purpose with the company identity and purpose. Then you're creating a spree core. To this day, I have um, from you know 20 years ago people that worked with me because this is how I worked. I aligned identity and purpose with the entire team and with the company, and it's it's tedious but it's amazing. So powerful. They're still friends. They come to my birthday parties. They fly across halfway across the world to come visit me for for my 50th birthday party uh, three years ago, almost four years ago. Uh, came to my wedding, uh, birthday calls, the whole works because they have, they have, they still have that feeling, right? And that article, that article that I read in the Economist allowed me to unleash that what I always wanted to do, but didn't know how to explain it. And now, and then I knew, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So the military, it's funny you say because I've never actually articulated this before. This is this is incredible. This is actually how we wrote the book, just these kind of discussions. So this this will be in the next book probably. So thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I got a cool. mention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, an honorable mention. And so it's 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 incredible when you and this is what I mean by dissecting your life. When what happens when and what and what kind of a success do we have or failure? And if I look at the way that I led these companies, it came from the fact that I read that article, reminded me of the military and how the military uses identity in order to get that culture online. And create a spree de corps where I would literally, if Rick was beside me, I would not even hesitate to take a bullet for him. It's one vision, one mission. Now, companies can say that all they want. But if the personal uh, um, mission and the personal uh, identity and purpose of each individual employee isn't aligned in some way with the company, then it's not going to be that tight culture. So you're probably saying, well, how do you align someone's personal, you know, well, Frank, I can give you an idea. So I had one, one company in Zurich. We had 72 employees. And there was a guy that was working at the reception, and he was really good. I mean, he was really good. But you could tell he just wasn't, wasn't full on all the time. And I said, you like working here? He said, yeah, I love working here. I said, well, what do you think you'd be good at best? You know, what, what's, what, what's your vision of this thing? Oh, to be successful. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Your, your personal vision. He's like, I want, to, I want to work with numbers. I want to, I want to be like, like really into the math and the finances. And I said, well, why don't you apply for the job as the accountant, right? Well, I don't, I'm, I'm just a receptionist. No, no, no. If this is going to make you happy and drive the company forward because you're in a better place, then let's make you an accountant. You can start as an assistant and then you can move up. He's like, really? But yeah, boom, aligned. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's a short version, obviously. But, th- but that's what I'm saying. And then you, t- you have to talk to your employees. And what are they like? What do they want? How, you know, how, how are they feeling when they're in certain places? And how do they feel with other employees? And it, you, you got to shake it up a little bit sometimes to, to realize it so people would realize, employees would realize that they actually have a choice. 
because a lot, a lot, a lot of people have a ticket job. Like, oh, this is my job. I gotta be quiet. I don't want to lose my job. That kind of thing. No, it's your choice. If you're proactive, you're investing in relational capital. You're elevating those around you, and you're a positive part of the team that creates massive positiveness in your company, and not fake positiveness, not yada yada who. I'm talking real positivity, where you engage in the negative things, accept them, work them out, and move forward positively, taking the good things that actually are constructive. When you work with your team like this every single day, uh, miracles happen. I, I had a meeting every day at, at 1400 or 2 p.m. It's called the huddle. And every day, someone different led the meeting. So everyone had a chance to be a leader, right? So of the entire company. So we had 79 people in that, or 75 people in that in Switzerland, for instance. Everyone was there from the cleaning crew, who was a contracted company, all the way up to me, right? Every, everyone was there. And so from those 70 to 75 people, I was up every 75 days. Obviously, I'd open the meeting, but someone was up every 75 days. And man, did they prepare. They really prepared because we had overview of all, all the departments, and then they had to do a, a short training session of 10 minutes. And then we had a credo moment. And our credo was, I inspire myself, I inspire, my, uh, I inspire myself, I inspire my team, I inspire my members, and I inspire the world around me. That was our, that was our credo. And someone had, every day, someone did a credo moment. So it would be something that would bind us, it would bring us together. They'd read a story, a poem, or they'd come up with a little game we would play, or you know, you, you fall back into people's arms without looking, all these different things. 75 different things every 75 days. It was incredible. And that's because I gave a shit, right? I cared. I really wanted to see the team be successful because I knew the byproduct, here we go talking about byproduct again, is a successful company, right? Then when the team's successful, I don't have to worry about the numbers. When the team's successful and managed properly, led properly, I don't have to worry about the, the, the numbers because it's going to happen because they'll, they'll make it happen. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I, I actually miss it. <laughs> i tell you the truth. I, I, I miss those days. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like you really saw people for what they truly were. And, and what a gift as a leader to be able to recognize when somebody has a talent that they're not showing or they're hiding or they're afraid to articulate, especially with that guy in reception. Um, you, you know, it's interesting. Um I, I always say I, I really love how Seth Godin says culture is strategy, uh, and he wrote that in his book. This is marketing. Um, I I also love that you have a statement: culture follows action. And so, if culture is the strategy, then using action and positive action and recognizing people for their humanness, for their individuality, um, for the strengths they might bring to the table is a really great way to build a company if you are a strong enough leader to open that door, right? If you're strong enough. enough. Humble. That's the word right there. Humble enough. Humble. See, I humble. was getting us there. You're, you're saying it. I am. You're, no, you're, you're, you're nailing it because that strong is the alpha, right? And the humble is the power, right? So strong power, the humble alpha. And you have to be humble to allow somebody to tell you what, what they want as a leader. Too many people take that position as their identity, like I said before. How dare you talk to me? Like, how dare you? You're going to do what I say kind of thing, right? And you can see it. You know, you can see the companies that are super successful. They're the, they're the ones that have a true cohesion there. It's more of a flat hierarchy than it is a, you know, a, a vertical hierarchy as well. 
Everyone has an input. Everyone has a say. And I'm not talking about this wishy-washy kind of stuff. Believe me, as a military, they my nickname in that company was General because I didn't mess around. It was, and, but they they loved it because there was direction, there was communication, there was expectations that were verbalized. They knew where they were going. They knew they were aligned. And they, they, they knew we were going to win no matter what. Who doesn't want to be a part of a winning team that's driving forward, right? Who doesn't want that? And so when you can be tough, you can be direct, you can be honest. And the more the the, the more you um, base your foundation on hit, honesty, integrity, transparency, the more powerful you are to the outside. A true leader doesn't have to turn around to see if people following them. They're, they don't have to turn around. It's happening. Because the action that they take is aligned with the vision and the mission of the company. It's aligned with the identity and the purpose of the company. And so people who are aligned as well will follow regardless, if not lead themselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of people leading themselves right now. So um, it's great. I think that's, we're ready for it, right? We're ready for, for culture to look different um, and for companies to look different. I think it was time, but um, there's a a couple things that I would like to jump to because we are not always, um, our titles and our books and, and so forth. So I want people to know you're a family man. You have three kids. Is that correct? What are two their kids. ages? Two kids. I'm sorry. Two. What are they? Two. Five and six years old. Five and six years old. Uh, so you're very busy. And um, I don't think people realize this, that you're in Hungary, right? Indeed I am. I'm in, I'm in Hungary outside of uh, Budapest, about 40, click, or 40 kilometers. Uh, in a small village of 2,000 people. <laughs> I love that. My grandparents, I think you and I had this conversation before. My grandparents were both uh, from Hungary. So um, when I first learned that about you, I was so intrigued. And uh, I can't wait to one day come to Budapest and, and see where, where they were from. But um just want people to know a little about you and that you were a bouncer for Mick Jagger or something like that. Did I hear that right in the previous interview? <laughs> I was a bouncer when I first got out of the army, um, and, and what, you know what else are you going to do? I was on tanks. It wasn't like I had a, an actual skill, you know. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I ended up in 1998, um, yeah, being a bodyguard for Mick Jagger for about three weeks while he was a German. Um, and that was just happened. By the way, again, one of my things that I just did, right? And now I know how I did it, but you know, I went up and created space. Just walked right up to him and said, "I'm a new bodyguard. I had no expectations." And he said, "What? What?" I said, "I'm a new bodyguard." So, who sent you? I said, I sent me. He said, well, who are you? I said, I'm Stephen Cohen. And I'm, a, I'm a, a war veteran. I live here in Berlin. I know the city. I speak German perfectly and I can carry. And he goes, talk to CJ, who was his assistant or whoever. And uh, CJ said, looked at me, looked up and down. He said, okay, I got one question for you. And if you answer it right, you'll get the job. And I was like, okay, here we go. What is it? And he said, do you know where to get the best German sausage? I said, I do. <laughs> How's, he's like, how's 400 bucks a day? And that was it. I got the job. It was it. it. Literally in 30 seconds, I got the job. Just walked up, created space, no expectations, and just said what I wanted to say. And you're not nervous when you have no expectations. So you're not like fumbling. And another thing I did is I used his full name, Mick Jagger. I didn't say, hey, Mick. I didn't say Mr. Jagger. I said Mick Jagger. So that that's that's a, that's a disruption, right? So that's a disruption in someone's consciousness when they say, well, who's this person using my whole name? Same thing when I, when I walked into Bill Clinton, or William Jefferson Clinton, I called him. We had a conversation for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. I didn't, I didn't know him from Jack. He didn't know me from Jack, you know. And it's just using his whole name, walking up, no expectations. You know, we're, we fill the space we're given. If you, if you live like that with no expectations, 
You literally fill the space you're given. And what I mean by that is like, for instance, a, a goldfish, if you put it in a fish bowl, it stays about an inch long. If you take that same goldfish years later and put it in a pond, it'll grow to about a foot, right? So that's sort of like humans. If we allow it by not limiting ourselves through expectations, because when you have expectations, you're narrowing your entire field of possibility, right? So focus on the intention. And so when you focus on the intention, suddenly the world looks completely different and you're expanding in so many ways. I mean, I've, I, I was talking to German politics. I mean, I'm in German politics, but I was talking to very high, like the highest German politicians. And they're asking me questions where I have no business knowing the answers. But because they, they, they thought that I had the answers, I had the answers. I just stepped into that space and made it happen. And it, it, what came out was true, and it actually happened, which surprised the hell out of me, but it happened. Why? Because in that moment, I allowed myself to fill the space that they gave me. And when we think like this, nothing's impossible. Nothing. You know, it sounds sort of, you know, sort of wishy-washy, but I can tell you this. Next time someone, someone asks you something where you're like, I don't know that. Don't say, I don't know that. Wait for a second. Say, wait, this person sees it in me. So it must be there. They wouldn't be asking you if they didn't see it in you. And if they see it in you, then it's there. Just accept it, embrace it, and step into it. Well, that's um, – I want to I want to end on this note because it's just such a perfect ending that we need to step into our space. We need to be confident um, that the person who is addressing us is asking for a reason. They see that quality in us. And um, – I would ask you if there's anything that you want to share that I haven't asked you, but um, I just love this note that we're ending on. So, no, I think that was perfect. That, I mean, I, don't, I can't. I, I think that came out perfect. And this is again, none, none of this is planned. I've never said that in that way ever before, ever. And that, that's why creating space is so powerful. Every conversation is new. I was interviewed today on this on the book. This is a completely different conversation. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that our conversation opened up space for you to, to uh, find other aspects about yourself that maybe you didn't know and, um, and maybe a second book for you. <laughs> Love oh, for it. sure. It's already, it's already in the works. The second Excellent. book's already in the works. Excellent. Thank you, Stephen. This was a really great time. I'm so glad you came on Culture Factor. I'm so glad I got to share this live in the clubhouse room, my new room. Um, if anybody wants to follow it, look at that shameless plug. Um, please follow Steven. He is a mover and shaker because he cares about people, not because of titles. And he really does get to know you. It's pretty special. So follow him. If you'd like to follow me on my journey here, I'd, I'd love to uh, keep you up on other interviews I do going forward. And uh, this will be releasing, um, of course, wherever you get your podcast fixed. So this will be evergreen content. You'll be able to uh, listen to this and, and let all your friends who are Android users who are not on Clubhouse that couldn't be here live they'll still be able to listen to this great podcast with Steven, who is amazing. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Holly. I really appreciate it.